0: And let's pray. Uh, Lord, thank you so much for today. And Lord, we uh, just want to rejoice in it because this is the day that you've made. God, you've given us another day. And I pray, God, that we would live it wisely for you. Uh, So, Lord, speak to our hearts this morning. You've already uh, uh, kind of worked me over with the message. And I pray, God, that. that the saints would take it to heart. So uh, we love you and thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I already read the breaking news to you. Um, you know, and there's a, a lot going on in, um, in just the, our city to get plugged into. You know, the book of Acts is still um, alive and well in the church today. We just need to find out um, what's going on, pray about it, and get plugged in. So that's uh, some food for thought. So we're going to be picking up in verse 42 of Acts 13. I'll kind of give you an idea of what's happened up to this point. Paul's first missionary journey has just begun. And he's covered some ground already, left Syria, Antioch and Syria. Went to Cilicia to catch a ride to um, Cyprus, then from Cyprus through Salamis and Paphos. Um, they and you know when i when I say that, um, you know we I, we have a tendency not to think this way, but when he got to Cyprus, I mean, he walked across Cyprus. So you know it's hundred and sixty miles, give or take. So, um, you know, try to keep that in your mind as we're as you're looking at the book of Acts. and another thing to keep in thought in mind here is Paul's health, because Paul's health is going to take a turn for the worse when he's in Pergia. and um just something that that has always challenged me is that um, you know they didn't just hop in a bus get on a plane Um, you know they uh, they they walked they rode maybe a donkey or whatever else whatever means they had and um, you know Paul is um, has malaria I mean, you know, it's so so challenging, you know, and and sometimes I complain, oh, my hip is sore, you know, it's snowing out, you know, um, man, we have a lot to learn from these saints. So keep that in mind. Um, They come to Pamphylia, and John Mark leaves and heads back to Jerusalem. Um, They end up in, we're we're picking up now in Antioch, Pisidia, and we're going to pick it up in verse Forty-two, and this is kind of this is the way the Lord um, kind of ministers to me as I'm reading the Word. So um, you're going to get it that way, okay? Um, as I was reading through this, and you know we've already been through Acts 14 in the senior study, so I thought, oh, Lord, this is going to be great. You know, I'll just kind of print my notes from then, and it should be, you know, easier to do this, right? And it was, (laughs) it was like, no, that's not going to work. So I'm reading through the text, and it's like these, it's like something happens, and then there's a response. Then something else happens, and then there's another response. And I'm looking at these responses to what God is saying, and what God is doing, And it was like, just stuck out in my mind. And then there, believe it or not, there's outcomes to some of the responses. So we're going to look at the text this way. And I'm not going to talk long. Um, What I really, this is what I felt God put on my heart. Keep it short and simple and have time for prayer. We're going to have a song afterwards. And I just want to encourage you. um, You know, if the Lord is speaking to your heart this morning, come up and get some prayer. Pray with the person you came with. But, you know, it's all about ministry, and you're going to see that as we go through this. So we're going to start with a prerequisite, okay? Luke 14, verse 28 um, might sound familiar to you guys. It's Jesus speaking to um, the disciples as well as some people in the crowd. He says, For which of you intending to build a tower um, does not sit down first and count the cost? Whether uh, he has enough to finish it. So Jesus really is, he he knows that the, the, the multitude, the people that are listening to him, that they're positive about what he's saying, but they're not committed. And Jesus is going to really set the bar really high, right? Because earlier, a few verses before this, he tells them, you know, you have to hate your mother. You have to hate your father. I mean, you have to hate everybody, everything, and just love me, right? But we know, I mean, we know it's not like that. But he was just stressing the point that he has to be first. That our commitment that Jesus is what should be first and foremost uh, in our lives. So, count the cost. Commitment. Pick a side, because right now I really believe the church is kind of in the middle someplace, and it's not where God wants the church. So, um, you know, and keep in mind, the message really this morning was for me, because I had my notes all ready to go, and the Lord just kind of altered all of that. So the message really is for you. It's not for your wife or the person you came with or the person sitting next to you. You know, the word this morning is for you, for us, the church, and we need to take it to heart. So, you know what, guys, we need to pick a side God's word versus the wisdom of the world. And hey, isn't that the way it is? What other choices do you have? It's either God's word or the world. Now, I believe that the word of God is the only truth that there is, right? That's the only. If you want, if you want to know what the truth is, read your Bible, pray, study your Bible, because nobody else is going to tell you the truth except the Word of God. So keep that in mind as we go through this. Um, Are you going to walk by faith or by sight? That's a choice that you got to make. So the goal this morning, so we have a goal to achieve, okay, and it's to answer these questions. So the question for you this morning is, how are you responding to God's word? We're going to see how um, some of the folks in, um, in Antioch responded to the word, and we're going to see the outcome, and hopefully we'll learn from that. Are you cooperating with what um, the Holy Spirit is doing in your life, or are you opposing him? We're going to see what happens to folks when they oppose what God is doing, when they oppose the spirit of God. Are you paying attention or are you distracted by the world? What are you spending your time on? Will you accept Jesus' encouragement to do a careful inventory before you declare your willingness to follow him? You know, and these are things, you know, questions we probably should be asking ourselves, you know, on a daily basis, Just wanting to keep in touch and, you know, really um, minimize the distance between us and the Lord, right? That's how you do it. So for me, the book of Acts has really kind of altered my perspective. And I see the book of Acts as a how-to for Christians, okay? The template for Christian living. The book of Acts gives us an example of what commitment looks like and the fruit that it bears, so I'm going to give you a sports analogy, but when I was younger, and I'll probably aid, um, you know, give, kind of date myself when I say I used to watch Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris, you know, I'd watch them when they would get up to bat, and I would, like, study them, and I would watch the way they held the bat, how they'd stand in a batter's box, you know, everything, Because I knew that, hey, those guys were like the best. And they were Yankees besides. So, you know, but I thought watching them and incorporating that, you know, into when I played, that would help. And you know what? Reading the book of Acts, I've been watching the way it should be done for the most part, right? I mean, there's, you know, there's ups and downs in the book of Acts. But really, looking at the disciples' lives, that's like a how-to, so if you want to really get a handle on um, how you want to live, how a Christian lives, read the book of Acts. And, of course, the ultimate example, read the Gospels and study the life of Christ, because we're called to be like him. All right, so verse, let's read verses 42 through 44, and we're going to check out these responses. Okay, verse 42, so when the Jews went out of the synagogue, so Paul has just preached his first message. It's his longest message that he preaches, and uh, I think part of the reason is that when when he's in Lystra and Derby and some of these other towns, they don't really record um, the length of what in depth of what he said. So this kind of gives us an idea what the messages were probably like as well. So he starts from um, really from Genesis, and then all the way through. Obviously, to Jesus Christ and his resurrection. So the message is over to so when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged. And that's in there, begged. Kind of surprising, right? The Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now, when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in God's grace. And on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. Okay, 42, the response to the message. The Gentiles begged. Come back and, could you come back and do that again? Could you come back and preach those words again? Could you imagine after the service, if... Everybody walked up to Pastor Rob and said, Pastor Rob, will you please preach that again next week? We loved it. You know, we just want to hear the word of God. There was an excitement. That was their response to what they heard. Okay, and the application for this is really, you guys don't need me to point it out to you. Um, The application is, I mean, are you begging for more? Are you begging for more of the word of God, for more of God's presence in your life? I hope so. And then uh, verse 43, so they, they, there's words of encouragement for Paul and Barnabas. Um, as they tell them, they encourage them in the grace of God. And the last thing is the outcome in verse 44. <laughs> On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. Could you imagine coming to church next Sunday morning in almost all of Penfield? Penfield? Showing up to hear the word of God. You know, when we take a stand for the Lord, when we're, you know, when, you know, we, we count the cost, we're, we, you know, we're checking out our commitment. You know, we want to please the Lord. You know, God honors that and God moves in powerful ways. And, you know, the only difference between the book of Acts and today is time, obviously, right? A couple thousand years. And then the other thing is commitment. The other thing is Commitment. Something to think about. So here's the Jews' response in verse 45. And, you know, there's it's a mixed multitude. I'm sure there's Gentiles with it, but it just mentions Jews here. It says in verse 45, But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. And contradicting and blaspheming, they opposed the things spoken by Paul. So a total opposite response. The complete opposite. Envy, better known as sin, Right? That 's what envy is, and remember guys that sin always puts us in opposition to God and his word. it always does, and that's what's happening here and envy I found some uh, some words that go along with envy, jealousy, covetousness, resentment, bitterness spite um not not um not good uh, character traits at all, and not um something that we want to um <laughs> incorporate into our lives. Proverbs 14.30 tells us the effects of envy. A sound heart is life to the body, but envy is rottenness to the bones. In 1 Peter 2, verses 1 through 3, Peter tells us what to do with envy. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking, Peter's telling us to lay it aside, and verse two, as newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word, that you might grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, and and that's us, right? I mean, we've all been there. We've tasted the grace of God for sure. So, Paul and Barnabas, their response, and you know something to keep in mind—they're there with like a team of people too. There is a bunch of disciples with them, and. You know, it's Paul and Barnabas are mentioned by name, but it, um, it's never about just one person or, you know, this. Or that. I mean, it's always a, the church is a group effort, right? It's a group thing. It's the church, and we don't want to um, put anybody on a pedestal. So verse 46 and 47, Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, But since you rejected it, the word of God, and judged yourself unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvations to the ends of the earth. So Paul and Barnabas just boldly um, lay it out for the Jews and tell them that you know, because you've rejected the word of God and judged yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, that they were going to turn to the Gentiles, and it's something to keep in mind that they didn't—they um, weren't intimidated. You know, when we look at their response to the crowd, they weren't intimidated by the Jews. They weren't—they weren't, um, they weren't um, prepared to um, water down the word so it would be easier for the gen you know for the jews to receive it or so that they wouldn't get persecuted right um, you know they didn't water down the word because they didn't want to offend anyone and, and just a, this is something that came to my mind you know and, and i know that you know over time over history the word of god has been watered down and i think we see that in the times that we live but the thing that we need to understand is that that watering down process starts in our hearts. You know we like to say that the church you know has kind of been lax or watered down the word, but guess what we're the church, and when we compromise the integrity of the word, guess what we're putting some water into the word you know guys we got like paul these guys were bold, but you know they didn't they were committed. And and they knew that the the God that they committed their lives to was faithful to keep them. And you know what? These guys could have said, and did. I mean, we know. We've already read the book, right? They they weren't intimidated. And I just want to encourage you guys. Don't be intimidated by what the world says or what the world thinks. Because the word of God is true. And God's word um, is going to come to pass. And he's called us to be a part of that a part of that. These guys rejected the word of God, and you know what? They disqualified themselves. They disqualified themselves, and they knew that. You know, what did Jesus say in, in John three eighteen? He said, He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You know, and then Paul says, hey, we're going we're, we're, we're to be sent, we're going to the Gentiles. We're going to be a light to the Gentiles. You know, and Paul kind of put himself as the answer um, to Isaiah 49.6. We know that Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of that. But, you know, just Paul standing on the word of God, standing on the word of God. You know, in the response to the Gentiles, it says that they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. Um, they received the word and apparently shared it because in verse 49 it says, and the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. Just note the different responses. Opposition to the word of God, not a good thing. <laughs> when the response to the word of God is this wholehearted acceptance, the word of God spreads. There's People are getting saved. People are getting saved. You know Something that just, what is our response? I'm, I'm probably going to say that a few more times as we go through this. Because we need to understand that um, the things that we do, the things that we say, um, you know, the decisions we make are all related to our response to God's word in our heart. So the outcome, I just mentioned that the people are saved, the word of God is being spread. And because Paul and Barnabas just refused to compromise, The disciples that were with them, they refused to compromise. Hey, you don't want the word of God? You you want to keep rejecting it? Well, you've just disqualified yourself. And you know what? I don't think they said it in a malicious way. I think that, you know, probably broke Paul's heart to even say it. But there are two things there that, that come to play in that. Probably broke his heart because he hated to see these people lose out on salvation, but then the other thing is, is that, um, you know, Paul probably in his heart of hearts knew that, um, you know, he had to be bold, that he couldn't pull any punches. He had to speak the truth in love. So, you know, guys, and, and that's where our heart should be. You know, we have, we have the solution. We have the answer. We have um, the remedy for what's going on in the world. And you know, um, a lot of times we think it's peace talks here and this happening there, and you know. But basically, it's the word of God. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's you know, that's you know, it's it's kind of weird. You know, I, it, that's what we're here for. I mean, I, you know, I I used to think, and, and you know, and I've been saved for a while. Used to think I was here for a lot of things you know, to make money, to provide for my family. And all that stuff is, is legit, right? But really, the real reason that the Lord saved us was to be a light, to be a witness, to be a voice for him in this world. And, you know, that's where the commitment comes in. When Jesus said that, hey, you know, you don't you count the cost before you build the house, right? And I think the church, and I think Dave Barbero. Um, you know hasn't at times counted the cost you know we just need to be real with our, ourselves and the Lord because I know for me there were some other things that were getting in the way of my relationship with the Lord that I thought was okay and um you know it's not i'm not saying woe is me or anything like that, but you know what um i want I want to have things in the right order the way God puts them in order in my life i don't you know i don't want to you know have my stuff on the top of the list in God's stuff, somewhere in the middle, all right? And I hope you guys feel the same way. So a little bit more opposition, and this is going to be like a cycle. This is almost like reading the book of Judges, right? You know, there's something good happens and something bad happens. But in verse 50, it says, but the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city, raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So um, you know, literally, they gave him the boot. They showed him the door. You know, they didn't want to hear it. That's the to the, the extreme that they went, to reject the word of God. In verse 51 and verse 52, it says, but they shook the dust off their feet against them and came to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So the Jews, whenever they went through Gentile territory. Before they entered back into Israel, they would shake the dust off their feet because they didn't want to bring any of that contaminated dirt into Israel. But it's pretty, it's pretty bad, right? But anyway, so Paul is doing that to the Jews. He's just saying, hey, look, you know what? You guys are no different than the heathens. You know, speaking the truth in love, it's pretty, pretty straightforward with Paul. So he does that, and it's interesting... To, when you we did talk about response in verse 52, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. I mean, they just got kicked out of town for preaching the gospel, rejected, right? They, you know, they could have looked at themselves as failing. Oh, man, we failed miserably. But the disciples knew that it, you know, their responsibility was to preach the word the outcome of that was up to the lord and you know they knew that god was sovereign they knew god is in control all right so we got the boot so they're going to they're going to keep on going right these these saints counted the cost they knew that there was going to be rejection they knew that there was going to be persecution i mean jesus told them that there was going to be in john 15:20 Jesus said, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. So they leave, they leave, and they're in Iconium now, and we're going to move into chapter 14. And Iconium was really a, a cultural melting pot in that area. So there's Greeks, Jews, Roman colonists, and this, is a, this was an 80-mile walk from where they were in um, Antioch. So they're on their way to Iconium and in Iconium. And it's verse 1. It says a verse of chapter 14, Now it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews and spoke to a great multitude, both of the Jews and of the Greeks. Um, and they believed. So they leave they end up in Iconium, they follow the, the routine that they have, they go into the synagogue, they preach the word, and the response is great. People get saved, people believe. But, verse 2, here's the opposition. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Therefore they stayed there a long time, Speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. So, there, people are getting saved. And, you know, keep in mind, the Jews, the, these religious leaders, the, um, the really the radical um, Jewish folks at that time, um, had opportunity and opportunity to repent and to accept the Lord. And through the book of Acts, Um, You know, it started um, with Peter, and all the way through, God gives the religious Jews an opportunity to get saved. But they're going to continue and continue, and we're going to see this cycle um, as time goes on. But it's amazing how the disciples aren't discouraged. They're not discouraged. Listen, look at verse 3. It says that there, and, and in some translations it says, so, so so, they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. So the persecution, you think, would drive them out or discourage them, but it causes them to stay longer. It causes them to spend more time preaching the word. And, you know, obviously, um, the, the application for us is, you know, don't get discouraged when it comes to, you know, being rejected. You share the gospel. Um, you know, people look at you like, oh, man, you know, we're, you know, how can you believe that? I mean, you guys have heard it all, right? These guys didn't get discouraged about any of it. They just stayed the course, they just stayed the course. And look what happens when they do that. It says, so they stayed there a long time. What They were speaking boldly in the Lord, okay, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Amazing, amazing. you get getting discouraged? Don't. Starting to wonder if people are ever going to, you know, at where you work, they're ever going to listen, are they ever going to hear? Well, they are. They are. You know, they might, it might not seem that evident, but they are. People that you interact with. You know, the more you get rejected, just follow these guys' example. They're getting rejected, but you know what? They're staying the course, and they're becoming more bold. And, you know, think about it. Think about their heart. You know, what, what motivated them? We know, what motivated them was the love that they had for, their, for them, for these people, because they knew without Christ they were going to die and go to hell. So even though things got harder on them, they, it was like, a, a, it was like a, a sign to them that, hey, you know what, we, do, we need to apply ourselves a little bit more because, you know, these folks are going to die without Christ. You know, we have the tendency when things get tough to just move on. When ministry gets tough, we think, man, I don't, I don't think the Lord's into this. But no, the Lord is into it. Are you? You know, that's the question that we need to ask. So things get a little difficult and we, you know, cop out and say, oh, well, God must not be in this. Well, God is into it. And you know what he's doing? He's not only using you to be a witness to them and to really share what they need to hear, but he's building character and fortitude in you. He's building your faith. Because, you know, these guys are going to be praising the Lord throughout the book of Acts, even in jail, right? We've seen earlier on in Acts. You know, Peter's put in jail, and he's sleeping soundly. I mean, these guys, they're just totally committed, and it's exciting to see that. So look at the response. They're bold. They're not ashamed. And what does God do? (laughs) <laughs> you know, God is granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. You know, and this is, this stuff is still happening today, just not in the United States as much because, um, you know, the word's watered down. man. you know, there's no power because the word of God is, is being compromised. But there are third world countries, there's things where people, miracles are happening left and right. Because people are just believing the Bible. Just believing the word of God. It's amazing. It's amazing what happens when you take God at his word. Okay, opposition. So now it looks like, uh, you know, it's almost eventually they're going to farm in some some resistance from uh, some of the cities that they've already been in. But I'm going to close with um, these three verses opposition, but the multitude of the city was divided. Okay, part-sided with the Jews, part with the apostles. And um, that word apostles there, the equivalent uh, for that word would be missionaries. So it says in verse five, and when a violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to abuse and stone them, so they're taking it to a new level, they became aware of it and fled to Lystra. About, that's about 18 miles southwest. And to Derby, cities in Lyconia, and to the surrounding region. And they were preaching the gospel there. So they're preaching the word. And I can understand things a little bit of, you know, some people accept it, some people don't. I get that. I get that. Paul's response to that is, you know, they're they're just staying faithful to preach the word. So something that I want to leave you guys um with. Paul and Barnabas and the, the people that they're with, they're um they're leaving. The they're leaving. They're because of the persecution. They're leaving. But it's important that we realize that they're leaving, preaching the gospel, right? So wherever they're going, you know, that's like uh, um, that phrase. And they were preaching uh, the gospel there. Um, you can almost interpret that as everywhere they went. They were preaching the gospel. This time, they decide to not stick around, you know, and, and leave the, you know, the, the stoning behind, right? Not a bad thought, um, you know. They're they're gonna just change locations, but you know, later on in verse nineteen and verse twenty, um, Paul is gonna be dragged out of the city in Lystra and stoned to where he was they thought he was dead but in that instance he gets up and he goes back into the city where they just stoned him the one they just dragged him out of right here they leave okay so what am i getting at something real important i think for the book of acts and for us and it's being led by the, by the Spirit of God, being led by the Holy Spirit. I really believe that that, that was one of, the, one of, maybe the most controlling principle in the book of Acts, was the guidance of the Holy Spirit. You know, what did Jesus say before he ascended? To wait in Jerusalem till you're endued with power from on high, right? Right. You know that, that in John chapter fifteen and sixteen, Jesus said that He was going to send the Holy Spirit to, to lead them and to guide them into all truth. Right, and you know they received wisdom from above. You know they weren't um, they were the agenda that they had was the agenda that the Holy Spirit set for them. And hopefully, this doesn't sound foreign to you you know, that, oh, the Holy Spirit could be that active in our lives? You mean, like, every day, every single day, like, every decision we make? Yeah, and, you know, that was critical. That was critical for the early church, and it's critical for the church today. You know, think about it. We've, you know, we've committed our lives to Christ, and yet, there's a lot of the times that we, um, we leave him out of some very important decisions and even some of the basic stuff. And even saying that, hopefully you caught that. <laughs> you know, because shouldn't he be involved in every decision that we make? The little decisions, the big decisions. You know, who sets the agenda for you in the morning? I know for me sometimes Mary Ann does, but... <laughs> Or the church, but, you know, really, you know, it's checking, you know, like, Lord, what's up? You know, and I I know it sounds kind of weird, and I don't have this mastered yet. So pray for me. But, you know, my desire is to try to keep in step the best I can with the Lord every day. And, you know, these guys did that. These guys did that. And it's so evident. It's so evident. When you read through the book of Acts, you, you can just sense it. You know, think about it. How do you wake? How do you leave a city because you they, you know you might get stoned, and then just later on you get dragged out of a city and stoned, and yet you go back in to the city. That's the Lord. You know, that's these guys. I mean, Paul had to know, look, guys. You know, the Lord, we're not done here. The Lord wants us to go back into the city, so they go back into the city. You know they didn't they didn't count their life as something to 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 grasp or to hold on to like you know I want to keep this as long as I can. you know these guys already crossed that bridge, they already made that commitment, they counted the cost, and you, I'm sure everybody in this room has read through the epistles more than once. you know that Paul you know for him the and the disciples. The primary focus was serving the Lord and just getting God's will accomplished. So, just I want to leave you guys with this, okay? Over time, these believers cultivated, okay, cultivated an intimate relationship with the Lord. And I put in parentheses they were cultivating. Read through the Book of Acts; these guys they're cultivating um, a sensitivity, an intimacy with the Lord in their lives, with the Holy Spirit in their lives. And guys, that's something that we need to be doing. That's something that we need to be doing. We need to cultivate on a daily basis our relationship with the Lord. You know, growing closer to Him, because really it's it's in it's it's the intimacy with Christ that helps us understand, you know, what God is saying to us, what God wants us to do, right? I mean I've been married a long time, 37 years, 38. I'll stop at 38. But you know what? Over time, I've learned to listen to my wife. You know, and I, she could say something, and I, you know, I, I understand it more than I used to understand it years ago. But, you know, that intimacy comes with a price, you know, it's taking the time, spending that time together, listening, hearing. You know, and our relationship with the Lord needs that kind of attention. It needs it. If you know, because it's, you know what, if you're not gonna grow in your relationship with the Lord if that's not happening. So the application, guys, is obvious. We need to do the same things in our lives. The question is, are you? Okay? Cultivating an intimate relationship with Jesus begins with abiding in him. Jesus said, I am divine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you could do nothing. Not one thing. Abiding in Christ. So the challenge. The Holy Spirit played an active role in the apostles, the disciples' lives. He gave them discernment as these situations arose. Every time something happened, their response was trusting God, their, their response was looking for God in the situation. The question for us is how active of a role does the Holy Spirit play in our life? You know, and that's stuff that only you can answer, but it's a good question. And it does deserve some time, and it does deserve an answer. Galatians 5, verses, well, verse 16 and verse 25. You know, Paul is going to be writing Galatians shortly in the scope of things here. He said, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's pretty straightforward. Verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us walk in the spirit. You know, how active of a role does the Holy Spirit play in your life? Important question. These, the apostles, the disciples, they knew what God's will was. To preach the word, make disciples, be a witness. And they knew that God would be faithful to guide and direct them. Okay? Do you know what God's will is for you? Psalm 143.10 teach me to do your will. For you are my God, your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Guys, the word of God is the will of God. What the psalmist is saying is that we, you know, Lord, teach us your will. We have it. Teach us your will. You know, and I mean, I could start and give you a whole list of everyday things that are God's will. I mean, there's a there's a lot that God expects of us, and a lot of it in, you know, is a part of our daily living. Paul and his friends refused to be, and this is so important, Paul and his friends refused to let the situations they faced determine how they would respond to God's leading. They had counted the costs, and they were committed. It didn't make a difference to them the situations that they faced. They weren't controlled by what was happening around them. They were controlled by what was happening within them, their relationship with Christ, what God, what God was saying, speaking to their hearts. That's what controlled them. This this is what controlled these men and women that we're reading about. And this is what needs to control us. This needs. This is the bottom line. And while I have it in my hand... I, wanted to, I want to close with a few verses. So the question that we started out with, okay, the goal for this morning is to answer these questions. Are you, how are you responding to God's word? Are you cooperating with the Holy Spirit? Or are you opposing him? Will you accept Jesus' encouragement to do a careful inventory before you declare your willingness to follow him. Now, it shouldn't surprise you guys that around 10 years after this, that Paul would write this in the book of Romans. And we're going to close with that. So, Sarah, you could come up. I just have to find the book of Romans in my Bible. Romans chapter 8, starting in, in verse 28. It says we we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren moreover he predestined these he also called whom he called these he also justified in whom he justified these, he also glorified. And this this is amazing. You know, this must have been so ingrained in Paul's heart, just his total commitment to the word, and just his um, unwavering trust and confidence that if God said it, that settled it. He said, "What then shall we? What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us?" He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God. Who also makes intercession for us? Who shall, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? We're, that's where Paul is right now, right? <laughs> he, tribulation, distress, persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? It is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all things, yet in all things. And so personalize this verse, guys. In all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height or depth, nor any other created thing, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Wow, that is powerful stuff, right? The f- guys, this is, we, we, that, man, that is something that we could build our lives on. If God is for us, who could be against us? And I just want, you know, and think about those questions. How are you responding to God's word? How are you responding to what God's doing in your life? How are you responding to what God is doing in this church? So important, so important. So Sarah's going to lead us in a song, and, um, you know, some of the pastors are here. And and if you want prayer, I just, hey, you know, you can do what you want with the message. That's up to you. But if God is speaking to your heart, it's a totally different story because, How you respond to what God is doing in your heart right now could be a pretty important thing. Don't blow it off, man. Don't blow it off. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for touching our hearts. And, you know, God, we want our response to you and your word to be a response that would bring glory to your name. Lord, that's what you put us here for. You created us in your image to be a light, to be a voice. So help us, Lord, to be a witness. And Lord, I just pray that you would just touch our hearts this morning and just anoint this song. In Jesus' name, amen.